I remember the day I really, really saw the pattern like so clearly it was a Saturday and I fell on my knees. I fell on my knees, almost the gravity of something this powerful, like could, would it be used for good? Would it be used for evil? And that was always my prayer that would always be used for more good than evil. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Monday, and in these episodes, you'll hear Sangram interview incredible practitioners, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs within our community. And like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram, you're welcome to another fun episode of Flip Buffalo Podcast. All right, this we have crossed about 450 podcasts by the time this goes live, and it has been, there were four people that people have asked me that, hey, you should interview them. One was Seth Godin, Daniel Pink, Nancy, which is now we have Nancy Duarte, and then Bernie Brown. So I think you've done Seth Godin, Daniel Pink, we have Nancy right now, and Bernie Brown. I'm really, really trying to see if we can get her on this one. But I am so pumped. If you don't know Nancy, I mean, she is a phenomenal speaker. Her TED Talk I was just re-listening to it. It has, as of today, when I, when I saw it, uh, it had over 2.2 million views on, on her. She has like, a couple of amazing books that we'll talk about, but she also is releasing a new book, which is actually going live tomorrow. So when you get a chance, uh, get into it. So I'm, she's going to share a lot more about the data storybook uh, as well that, that's coming up. But Nancy, I'm so excited for, for us actually doing this podcast. So welcome to the show. Thank me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. All right. So as always, we start with a fun fact about yourself. So go for it. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I have two grandkids. I, I got married when I was 18. I guess that's kind of a fun fact. Been married 37 years. Uh, anyway, my oldest grandson's three and a half, and we took him for the first time. We have a timeshare in Maui, and he calls that Grandma's Maui House. So he yeah. thinks all of Ka'anapali is Grandma's Maui House. <laughs> that is really cool that's pretty cool everything it's all grandma's maui house that is awesome and and nancy i think you probably remember like you and i and and your husband mark we met at the praxis conference where i think mark is hilarious (laughs) and i think you guys had like the best panel of all times i think i think andrew crouch who was interviewing you guys i think he asked one question i know i know yeah we we, we jibber-jabber. My husband, that's one of the few events he speaks at. We love entrepreneurs. Like if we had a target audience, it would be entrepreneurs. And he loves doing that. And our energy is really different. I think we're so opposite of each other. And we've learned to really honor that. And so I'll say something. And then he says these hysterical little sidebar comments. And this content, I think, is richer and wiser. So I'm kind of the extrovert and he's the introvert. So introverts tend to be stronger presenters because they're a little more thoughtful in what they say. So even though I tend to be front and center with the target on my back, he's actually the wiser, stronger communicator. You just can't get him to do it like ever. Yeah. He just won't yeah. want a stage ever. So That was really fantastic. So for the audience, one probably that doesn't know you, could you share a little bit about what you have done, a little bit about the TED Talk that you talked about and the book Resonate, because I think for every person who's listening to this podcast, there are leaders in marketing sales, there are founders, CEOs who are listening to podcasts. I think presentation and communication is by far the single biggest, biggest thing that everybody has to focus on. Uh, I myself, 
as a founder of Terminus, I feel and think that the weight of that all the time. And you went through this study of how, um, you know, I have a dream speech and Steve Jobs kind of launching and all of those things. And what do they have patterns and things like that, that, that TED tech talks, I'll, I'll make sure I link to that in, in the show notes. Uh, what was phenomenal. So could you share a little bit about how you did the research, what the Resonate book and that talk is about, and then we can transition also into your new book, Data Story. Thanks. Yeah, I um, I think when I wrote that, it was 2011. So we'd already been in business for about 20 years. And I knew that the greatest speeches of all time had some sort of pattern to them because you could feel this kind of building of tension and releasing it. You could feel the kind of rhythm and cadence to it. And so I actually literally bought every book I could find. I, I looked online for the greatest speeches of all time and and studied them, tore apart the words like the research I did. I'm not a digital native. So the, the research I did on Steve Jobs' talk was on little tiny quarter square graph paper, and it was almost 25 feet long. I literally worked it, worked it, worked it, and figured it out and, and really did find a cadence, and, it, and it's built in storytelling. So when you think about what we love about story is there's a sense of building of tension and releasing it. And so as a structural device, as communicators, that that tension is built between the current realities of today and what the hope of our future is. And the, the human brain can process this contrast probably better than almost anything. And so you, as you contrast what is with what could be structurally, what is, what could be, what is, what could be, ending with what we call the new bliss, which is your idea, what the world is going to look like when your idea is adopted or your you know client buys a product or how great how they're going to get completely unstuck if they buy this product. It's very audience centric. It's very much about what the audience needs to get unstuck, what the audience needs to move your idea forward, what the audience needs to understand how your product fulfills a void. And so, you know, that was really fun. I remember the day I really, really saw the pattern, like so clearly it was a Saturday and I fell on my knees. I fell on my knees with the almost the gravity of something this powerful, like could, would it be used for good? Would it be used for evil? And it was always my prayer that it would always be used for more good than evil. <laughs> right. When, when you went through that process, Nancy, I mean, how long did it take uh, you to do that? Uh, that book took almost three years. Uh, Data Story took three and a half. So all my books, I don't know if it's because I, I just want my research to be indefensible, right? I don't, I haven't seen, well, I don't read comments. I don't know if you read comments about your book or your work, but nobody's come straight up to my face and said it wasn't true or, or that it or that there was a problem with it. But I went really deep for a really long time. And I actually analyzed hundreds of speeches. Most of them aren't even in the book, but I had to make sure it was true. And the good ones and the, and the good, great speeches are um, absolutely fall this, this form. Yeah. Now, and, and when you talk to I me, mean, you, as you said, you've been in this for about, what, 20, 25 years. You've uh, 31, but who's counting? <laughs> 31 years. And you have been obviously helping leaders to kind of have this communication, both internally to their organization, as well as externally when you're actually sharing it with the world. If people absorb, like, you know, can you share maybe an example, a story or like, hey, company so-and-so actually is using this today or how certain companies now today, not just Steve Jobs and I have a dream because sometimes I think people would say, well, that's just like out there, right? Like, you know, we're, we're not them. Like in today's world, like, could you relate to like who are the companies and leaders that you see are doing kind of using the strategy and the formula that you have come up with? Yeah, that's a really good question. And we get that a lot. Like, well, I'm not, 
Nehru or Jobs or Dr. King or, you know, all the all the really kind of famous people. But I didn't study average people like I'm not going to study like the mediocre engineer in the bowels of some big company, right? Why there's probably not a lot of insight there. And so I, I really feel like people would just say, well, I'm not them. So therefore I don't, I don't need to be excellent. And, and I just think that's a cop out. I think mm -hmm. with the spread of Ted talks now, even the geekiest scientist, even the introverted researcher, like anyone can be a great presenter now. And we have a lot of clients that have taken this systemic, uh, we have a training organization too. So we not only teach and help write and coach the top execs, we'll work with an entire brand and we'll actually do the work, or we could teach you to do the work. So we have both scenarios. We have a handful of brands where we just do, I can't tell you, like we had one that was, I was watching it, it was live broadcasting and I was so proud. We can't say the names of the brands we work with. Yeah. But wow, big old staged event and so proud of him because we were trying to have him create that contrast, have multiple presenters, have it yeah. be conversational like a Q&A, create that kind of rhythm and cadence. Um, and then we not only work with him, but all of his um, direct reports and then it cascades. So everything we make or say messaging wise cascades down to hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. Then some of those same organizations have us bring brought in for training. So some of them have us come in to do the work and others have us teach them, train them to do the work themselves. And we have both scenarios. So yeah, we have both scenarios and it's kind of yeah. powerful. Yeah, it seems very, it seems like almost every organization needs to have that unless it's like built in founders DNA or CEO DNA where they just are good naturally. I think you actually have to be very intentional well, soft skills, like a lot of research is coming out right now. It's been really hot in the last six months of all the hot, of all the gaps in soft skills to fill job openings right now. Communication is the number one and it's a big gap. It's a startling gap. They're just able to collect information about it right now. And so how you communicate will make or break the brand. And so the ones who hire us to do everything, they would say, oh, you're our competitive differentiator. You make us stand out better than different than any of the competitors. And others are just systemically changing their culture by training all of their own people to be strong storytellers. So it just depends. I mean, I have, we have a lot of, we have 120 people and, and they love what they do. Like we feel like by the time you can coach others or help others create the spoken word. I mean, if you think about the power of the spoken word, right? It's hard to think of a movement that didn't start with an impassioned plea or the spoken word, right? Historically. And so to be experts in that is humbling and powerful and we don't take it lightly, you know? Yeah, yeah I can see that. I totally can see that. Now you are launching a new book and it's getting released tomorrow. So people can pre-order today, can get it tomorrow. What is it that this book has? Like, I mean, obviously I have your uh, very, was it the first book? Slide? That was Slideology, yeah. Psychology. So I have that book. I still refer to it because, and I literally, I, I, we have a board meeting tomorrow. So I was literally looking at that <laughs> and I would literally go through it, you know, every couple of, uh, you know, maybe a quarter or other, or especially before like key presentations I want to do. And it, one of the things it had, I'll give you a quick snippet of how I'm practically using it. Awesome. Literally said that your animations, when you bring in your animations, don't make it slow because it creates this kind of slow feel for it. And you might think it's actually building up, but actually got kind of nauseating feeling to it. Yeah. To animation. So people feel the energy and excitement. I literally went in the default setting in a PowerPoint or a keynote is 
kind of medium, not not fact. So yeah. I literally went in and changed each one of them to be fact. That's a lot of work. Just uh, like ten minutes ago before. That's our- funny. If you have a board meeting, you might, I have a free book. It's actually my better selling book. It's called Slide Doc. And you can go to slidedocs.com. So for board meetings and stuff like that, you might really like that book because it, it kind of gives you permission to use presentation software to create almost magazine-like skimmable denser documents in presentation software. But for data story, I love, I, I have a piece right here. Woo, there you go. I just got it. I just got my first copy of it. But, and, and before we get into the book, like each, all of your books are like, like that. Like they're not a standard size book. Yeah. Which is good, but bad. So what happens in bookstores, right? Because a wide book takes up some, they put it out like this. Right. That, because it takes up the size of one and a half books, but because they're reference books, like the thing that was important to me is kind of user experience, right? It, it lays open and it stays flat. So if you wanted the animation section, like you were saying, to, to be there, you could you could have it open and still be working and referencing it. Right. Uh, I don't know. I, people think it's risky for me to do a nine by nine square book, but I just I love them. Well, I, it's memorable. Like I didn't. It didn't take me like twenty minutes to find your book in in my book club. It was like, yeah, I knew, I know Nancy's book is like very long and wide, so I, I know how it is. All right. So That's let's cool. talk about Nita's story. Yeah. So we kept getting feedback over the years, kind of like what you were saying. Well, I'm not Steve Jobs or, well, I'm just, I'm just working on a team presentation or I'm just doing normal, normal presentations or I'm analytical. And I'm like, what are they saying? I thought I would be like, well, I don't study normal people. And then I thought something, there's a gap between resonate and, and like, which I would say is like stand up on a stage and deliver Mm -hmm. versus what people were saying they felt they needed. So I, I talked to a lot of customers and then I figured out, that really, really every single job is data enabled today. Like we all use data to make decisions. And that was really the gap that everything pointed to. So we really have the honor to serve the greatest brands in the world. I mean, really, I mean, if you were to name the greatest brands in the world, I went and pulled the data slides, just slides with data on them for thousands of them across every sector, healthcare, technology, everything, every sector, uh, insurance, everything. And I pulled thousands of just data slides and I wanted to know how are the greatest and the highest performing brands on the stock market? I mean, that's who I pulled. And I just, I, I pasted thousands of them up on my wall and I saw a pattern right away. I saw several patterns. I, I pulled out the parts of speech, which was fascinating. What were the actual words and how were the words constructed that were used with the slides? What chart was used under which application and how and why and what? And so this, I, I went around, I kind of buzzed around like a hummingbird through our, our, our own work and through the work of the brands we serve. And that's where this came from. And there is a three-act story structure to use when you're communicating your data. So a lot of people that work in data are kind of, uh, they get trapped in just the explore phase. I'm going to explore the data and I'm going to shoot a chart out. I'll, someone will ask me for something and I'll just pop a slide or pop a chart out. And yet the career trajectory for someone would be, well, I'm going to explore the data. But if you don't cross the chasm and start to explain it, you'll stay stuck your whole career. So explaining data is the next step. And then inspiring through data as a leader is the next step. And I think that there's so much data. I mean, we got data coming out the wazoo and yeah. yet of no use. Data is of no use if someone doesn't create a point of view and decide the action to be taken and communicate that well. Otherwise, it's really of no use. 
They, I, I remember when I listened to your first talk and I've, I've listened to that talk several times. And I remember going back to and listening to Steve Jobs because once I hear your kind of pattern recognition there and then, you know, you can like, you can't stop yourself from going to like, let me see if this really is true and you know how it is. And, and it's obviously it's true. And then I would like, oh my goodness, he's using just very few words, very powerful, but he's yeah. telling me so much in it now that I'm paying, like I wasn't even paying attention, but it obviously was getting fed to me, but I wasn't thinking. And the call to action that you talk about in that talk, and I'm, I'm obviously assuming in the data story, is I think it's so important. And a lot of times I felt like that's where I fail flat is like, I would do the presentation, I'll do all this work, but I will have no call to action. I will have nothing that inspires action from there. And it was yeah. more either the data or like, hey, how hard I work to get this data and, and some of it. But I would kind of the last mile, I think I would kind of. I love, I love that. You know, what's funny is I, I have transcribed every single one of Steve Jobs's public facing talks, right? And when I would analyze them, I would be like, oh, okay, that's great. That's great. Oh, that's data. Skip, right? I would skip it. And even somewhat the designers here, it's like, okay, this can be conceptual. This can be conceptual. Oh, that's data. I'm going to skip it. You just, you know, we wouldn't put the same creative energy into wondering, hey, if I built this chart over time, or if I if, or if I said a narrative around it that was like this, if that could be the big moment, the big star moment of a whole talk could be around how you reveal data over time or how you, so now it's just even changed our mindsets um, here and how we start to deliver data um, to our customers. So it's interesting. So in, in this book, I do quote, uh, of course, I always do quote, Steve Jobs, because what was interesting is how he framed his data. He would usually start with a rhetorical question, and then the data would answer the rhetorical question. But the other thing he did was a lot was he used exclamatory words, lots of exclamations around his, like, isn't it great? Oh my gosh, boom, like the chart would build and he would scream boom or whatever. He just, he really lit up about the data and I never noticed it. Like I, once I went in and I did a find on every time he used the word dollar or number or statistic or whatever. And I focused solely on any time he was referencing numbers or data in, in his talk. And there was a pattern there that I was choosing to skip over because I thought, oh my God, it's just data. I'm going to skip that part. Right. right. And so that's kind of fun too. That is really, really cool. All right. So, and we try to keep this like in 20, 25 minutes as people do. So I took, I kid you not, about three pages of notes on this. So, <laughs> I'm going to try to summarize maybe the top two ideas or three just because there's a lot and I'll add more in the show notes. And then Nancy, I would love for you to, in the end to give a challenge to everybody who is apart from getting the book, which will obviously be the call to action for everybody is what should they do as leaders to think about their presentations? Because everybody is in this communication world right now. And one thing that they can actually do or take action on. So number one, I love this idea of this building tension and releasing tension. I've thought about that as a as, as something that I feel like I try to do a decent job at. But I think there is there's pacing there. There is timing yeah. there. There is there's kind of like really as you I think those words of building and releasing are super important. So I'll I'll ask everybody to as they think about their presentations, where are you building tension on purpose and where are you releasing? That tension, I think those are all really, really important points to consider. I like when you said that it's a cop-out. 
that, you know, they're the best companies in the world do it and you're not the one. Well, the fact that you are not the one, then you're not even looking at this, right? You should stop looking at it, stop the podcast, move on, right? But if you want to do the best, like this is how the best of the world, best of the best people do it. So you should have enough, um, I think, in a, in not, not in an egoistic way, but confidence that you are doing the best work of your life. And you should learn from the best in the world and the best in the business. I love that you can pull that right off. That's a cop out. Go for it. And you also shared that the number one job gap seems to be right now a hot button is communication. And it's yeah. a soft skill. A lot of times you were just handed over to the PR firm or like, you know, somebody more junior to you in your organization. You're like, all right, you got to do all this stuff. But I think you, this, these books and this conversation is like, no, communication is probably your highest level of responsibility. Yeah in your organization. And if you kind of give it to somebody else, then you're kind of not doing your own job. So that's the biggest lesson I got out of it. So slide docs, I'm going to go look at the slide docs. And, and then there are again, so many notes. I'll give you one more uh, to everybody listening right now. This idea of the data, if you're looking at data story, I can't wait to read the book, by the way. It's the idea of going from exploration to explanation to inspiration. And I think that three-part um, act or whatever that is, it, I think it's really interesting is that I think I personally end up spending too much time exploring and then I get exhausted and I want to spend <laughs> explaining and then I'm really exhausted. So I myself remain uninspired to inspire others, but I think that last mile is super important. So there was, those were some of them. I'll, I'll add more to it, but uh, I'd love for you to give a challenge to everybody listening to yeah. You kind of said it earlier when you were kind of riffing on the call to action. I think uh, in Data Story, Resonate, and all my books, there's always some sort of action. And, and that was the weird thing when I uh, wrote Data Story was the verbs. The verbs associated with data were very powerful. The verb is the part of speech where you take action. And so I think my call to action <laughs> is that people really, really think about their verb choices. Like, what is the activity? What is the action? In my call to action, what is it I want different audiences or different stakeholders and really think about it. Is it a performance verb? Is it a process verb? What is the verb? And, and use a really great verb. Like don't use a cop-out verb, like create, you know, if it's really like diversify in the entire market, you know, pick verbs that inspire people, I think, and that are really clear how that action is going to actually kick the can down the road and fulfill this dream or this goal. So that would be my thing, whether you're presenting or making a recommendation, communicating, make yeah. the verbs really clear and make them really special. Yeah, make them really powerful. I love yeah. that. Thank you so much, Nancy. I really appreciate this. You have been amazing. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.